Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Welcome to Door Bumper Clear. I'm Jason Schultz, and today we have Jeff Gluck from The Athletic in the studio after another wild roval race. Jeff, Brett, and TJ will cover everything from the first playoff elimination, including Alex Bowman versus Bubba Wallace, Chase Elliott rallying to win, the latest silly season news, plus tons more. DBC starts right now. I'm TJ Majors. This is Brett Griffin. Get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be Give me what you got here. Hey everybody, I'm TJ Majors and uh, super special show today. Super special. Brett Griffin, spotter for Not Brett. Boyer. <laughs> not Brett. Uh, not not the reason why. <laughs> I feel pretty special after last right. night. Uh, spotter for Clint Boyer. Spotter for AJ Amendinger, the Winners. race winner. In the Xfinity Series. Winner, winner, I'm a Hey, dinger. congratulations on not being too low. Hey, that car, that, my car's not <laughs> failed tech but once <laughs> all year. I won two races, man. I'm having fun. Casey's in the house. Yup, and we have very, very special guest, Jeff Gluck. Hi. You know, this is really weird for me because I'm. this is like my P1 of podcasts. I'm probably going to offend my other podcasts. Yes. Yes. Wow. But this is like the one that I feel like I have to listen to every week because yeah. sometimes you say stuff that I might miss. And sometimes. Life advice. You know, <laughs> life advice mostly, yeah. right? You know, it's, it's just, it's important for me. I feel like this is this something I have to listen to. So when you first are like, oh, you should come on this, I'm like, I don't want to ruin my own which show. Is, which is me begging you a year ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. It took us a year to get you on I'm there. like, that. I would ruin the show, but then- Especially this week, with all the crap that went on at uh, the Roval and all this stuff, yeah, I'm like, well, if I come on now, I can hear the show before it's actually released. I can hear like True. live what oh, you guys yeah. are saying, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. So it's and like, you yeah. can ask the dumb questions that Brett might be able to answer TJ too. So I mean, what fan of the show wouldn't want to be like roasted by Brett in person and have him? Go, well, that's what, what we brought you on here for. It was to yeah. roast you and to yeah. get to know you. So it would okay. have been easier to get him on earlier, but he relocated to the west side of the U.S., so it's been hard. Yeah. I mean, you left the best Seattle side like, for the west side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was just my excuse to. <laughs> Not ruin the show. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> well, you picked a perfect week to come on, I would say. I, I think. don't know, because now I'm going to get myself in trouble because uh, <clears throat> there was questionable. Sometimes, you you know, like, why couldn't Kip Childress have been on this edition? That's what, I <laughs> Honestly, I don't think NASCAR would allow him to come on this episode. I literally woke up this morning thinking the same thing. Like, this would have been the day to have Kip on. <laughs> yeah. After the shish show that was the Roval, right? Yeah. 
But hey, so all right, Jeff Glut, we're jumping into this thing with you, right? So you've been covering motorsports how long? Oh man, uh, well, my first race I went to was '04 to cover it. So, but full time since '07. Yeah, and so, you were in California. Uh, I was in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, California, NASCAR scene, uh, USA Today, SB Nation, JeffGluck.com. Which was awesome. Uh, now, we're semi-co-worker. Not really. Yeah, well, we're at The kinda. Athletic. Yeah. We're both writing for The Athletic. Right, so, right. Yeah. So, so, man, you've been covering this thing a long time. We've had Bob Pockers on. We've had Jenna Fryer on. Um, in terms of the way the sport is covered – from a writing perspective, and I know you do other things like the podcast, et cetera, but how, how much has it changed in, in the time that you've been here? Well, the biggest thing is that there's a lot fewer of us now, Yeah, right? I mean, when I got into it, like all the Southern newspapers still had a beat writer they're sending to every race, and the media core is pretty big. The media center is filled with, like, daily newspaper yeah. writers. I mean, it was pretty – I mean, there was a strong media core that was traveling every week. Now, I mean, for the people that are actually, you know, like the beat writers who are really – there that often i mean there's probably 10 of us or less yeah that are left and um you know it used to be 10 just from the state of north carolina yeah yeah i yeah. mean you know the mulherns the david pools jim utters i mean yeah monty dutton right i mean right. yeah the even media the media center was full i mean completely different than yeah. what it looks like right now and i think that's um that's the biggest thing because you know back then with more people asking questions more people think of different angles or storylines or uncover things and then if you were like, oh, dang, that's kind of a cool angle, or that's a, you know, everybody would jump on that, or they'd get one guy to say something, and you'd kind of build off that. Um, now, with fewer people, you're not getting as many storylines, I feel like. So it's, you're, you sort of have to work a little bit harder to uncover some of this. It's stuff. also changed, though, because you were here when what really helped change the sport, I think, as well is social media. You know, I remember, and believe it or not, there was a day when, like, Dell Jr. wasn't on Twitter. And he said he wasn't getting on Twitter unless he said he won the Daytona 500. He would join. So that night, I remember taking the picture, um, you know, for him and being there when he sent his first tweet out. And um, to me, that has changed a lot of access to people. Like to find out the news, I don't go to a new. I get on Twitter and just you, you scroll and find out everything you need to know in seconds. Um, you were there for. You were probably one of the first ones. You and Bob um, were probably some of the first ones to embrace that and and uh, take it and, and make something out of it. I mean, you started doing the tweet up stuff, and you know now that's a pretty common thing. Where did tweet up the idea come from? I think it was yours, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, basically, uh, I had started to get a little bit of a following. I think I had like two thousand followers on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, at the time, that seemed like a lot. And um, people were starting to be like, hey, can, like, let's say hi at the track or something, you know? So it just instead of uh, trying to coordinate with everybody separately, I was like, well, let's just meet up in one spot. Right. At time, you yeah. Know? So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was just easier that way. And the first tweet up, I think there was like three people. And then the next week at Richmond, uh, there was like two two dudes. It was like a blind date or something. Like, I, didn't, <laughs> you know, I was like, meet so over you, by you this post. You had your first tweet at Richmond? Is that what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> there goes Brett. <laughs> I knew I'd get it. <laughs> so, so like with that said, I'm gonna give you credit right here, man, because I think you've pioneered a lot of things on the social media side and on the writing side. It's almost like you have a marketing mind and you're a journalist because you have your 12 questions, you have the tweet up thing, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that you the quiet track pick that you yep. do. Like, is that things that just come into your mind and you just go forward with them because you've had that freedom, or do you actually put thought into it? 
Um, I don't really view it like, oh, I need to build my brand or something. But at the same time, um, I think that like, cause I, I got, I was at NASCAR scene. It was my dream job, right? Like I was, I was a reader of NASCAR scene and I was like, someday I'm going to work there. And I ended up working there and then it went away. I lost my job. I got laid off. And so I was like, well, I mean, if I'm going to stick around, especially when, when Twitter was coming around, I'm like, I have to. Now, now you kind of have to build yourself up or, or do yeah. something to make a name for yourself. So I just mostly just started doing the same things every week because it was, it was like, well, if I post a quiet track every week, then it's my routine, you know? Yeah. And people um, from other, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but like, well, you obviously do, but people from dirt tracks, from local short tracks around the country are posting the same pictures and they're tagging you, which is really cool to see. I yeah. feel like you were the one of the first people to really spearhead the the fan engagement side where fans have more access to submitting questions to drivers and to you guys all on social media which didn't exist what a few years ago you would think yeah before social media that you didn't you didn't find bob and you outside the outside the media center garage area now you guys go out there and meet fans and and get get together with people and stuff and um, you know, if I'm Bob, I'm doing a quiet track pick like at four in the morning when I get to the track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quiet early morning track pick. But uh no, it's been cool to see it grow. You have built your brand though. I mean yeah. you, you, yeah. you, you, you you sold hats. Yeah. You've took on a market. <laughs> <I never actually, laughs> they were never actually for, for sale. They were that was just a myth. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you have to you kinda have to, right? Because it's survival. You have yeah. to realize and and I think that um the old school journalism model was I'm going to work at this newspaper or magazine and I'm going to write my opinion and, and people will just read it. Like I it will just, yeah. I will just proclaim this. And when I got, uh, you know, let go from NASCAR scene, I started SB nation, had to build it from like nothing. You're like, well, these people are like my customers essentially, right? Right. This is my audience. So, um, I better get to know what, what they think about things or what drives them or what motivates them, what they like, what they don't like. Cause I need to know what they want to read, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the more in, you're in touch with your listeners or your readers or whatever, your viewers, um, I think the more, you know, what direction to go in, because that's the people that you need to, to guide your content to. Right. Right. So yeah. the athletic comes about and you leave jeffcluck.com, which when you did jeffcluck.com. So you left yourself. I left myself. <laughs> Broke up with yourself. Yeah. After yeah. your threesome. Yeah, right, right. That's right. So I literally am looking at this thing, and I'm like, jeffcluck.com. Like, I think this is a good idea. And I'm like, are fans going to really pay for this? And I'm like, well, fans were paying for subscriptions to, you know, the scene and everything else. So, you know, if you provide content, they will come, which you did. You moved to The Athletic. Why do you do that? Well, um, I wasn't really looking to move at all. They called like pretty much every, all the NASCAR writers and <laughs> were like, I mean, every everybody in the media center, I think, and they were like, oh, we're, we want to start some racing content. We actually want to invest in racing content, which, which is a big deal. Yeah. Right. Nobody else was really, Especially people now. were cutting, you yeah. know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a, an attractive thing. Like, well, you know, maybe that would be good to, to go somewhere that's actually building up. And at the same time, I was noticing, I was like about two and a half years into my own project thing. And- you, you know, and, when, and, and back up for one second. Yeah. And doing well with your own thing. Were you happy with where you were? Yeah, it was at a good level, but I was starting to have some a few months earlier this year where I was getting more people deleting than adding. There was always people turning over. Right. Right. For various reasons, people would cut, cut their pledges or people would add. Yeah. But what happens is so like on Patreon, which is how I was funded through Jeff you'd you'd get um, surveys, exit surveys. So when someone deletes their pledge, 
it would automatically send them a thing, say, why'd you delete? Yeah. And some people more and more were saying, well, I don't like the direction NASCAR is going or sorry, nothing against you personally, but, um, you know, I, I'm just not as much of a fan anymore. I'm losing interest, so I'm going to delete my pledge. And I'm starting to think, ooh, this, this could, uh, in about a year from now, <laughs> if, yeah. the, if people keep deleting or something, it, it, that's taking money, like, directly out of my own pocket. Maybe it would be good to get to a more stable place. And this is just at the same time they happen to call. Right, so I'm thinking right. about it like, maybe this wouldn't be a bad move. Yeah. But before I get in a situation where I'm like, uh, now I really need to move, right. maybe I should move. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So we're a spotting podcast. You and I have had this brief conversation before. You, you've spotted a race before, right? <laughs> I think I crashed Boris said. <laughs> Yeah, it, it walked Okay, we need to hear about this. Yeah, sure. I remember that. You were tweeting from the, where were you at, the bus stop or the uh, I was at, going up the hill up the S's. You were in the S's, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was running for That's RAB a tough Racing. spot. Well, I, I, I'm not sure if it was my, I, I checked with him a couple years ago to see if it was my fault, <laughs> see if he remembered. He, <laughs> the, the, the track was blocked in front of him and I couldn't, I, it's really, spotting is really freaking hard. Really yeah. freaking hard. I mean, <laughs> you, for it's, saying that. it's so, before, before that, I had that experience, I'm like, it's not that hard. Like, I could get good at this. You know what I yeah, mean? It's, right. you, you hit the button, you're like, inside. You know, you're, you, you can you figure it cool out. cool voice right there. Yeah. Yeah. That could work yeah. for you. You know, inside. but, inside. um, yeah, so, so he was in this Xfinity race for RAB. They needed like a third spotter or something. I, I think I tweeted out, like, does anybody need a third spotter today? I want to write a story about this. You were there and, in uh, case there was a wreck in the S's. Yeah. Basically, there, there like was only, a wreck in the S's. <laughs> well, it was at the bottom of the hill or whatever, right before they yeah. get there. And like he would just come into my sight line and some cars crossed the track and he was blocked and he plowed right into him or something. <laughs> So I think I, I was like, I don't think I even got the words out before. Like, oh, you're, oh, and there's that, you know? What did and, you uh, think right when it happened? I was like, oh, like, I, I need to crawl into, like, I need to run off this stand. And then I, and then I was like, this, I, I could, like, get in, like, legal problems here or something. Like, I, what if I got somebody killed? Like, what if I affected oh the outcome gosh. of the race? And I'm like, I'm never doing this again. I am never doing this again. This is way too much pressure response. I'm, like, almost sweating oh thinking gosh. about this now. That's so, so funny. It's so much harder the than worst I... Worst case scenario actually happened for you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd have to... I don't... I don't like, Maybe Boris at a fault. road course can pretty much handle his own. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Then, you know, the track, that's the problem with a with a road course, and especially the S's. It doesn't take but a couple cars to get together, and the track's blocked. Yeah. And it's there like is, a Talladega-style wreck at a road course, you know? Even if you got him slowed down, you were probably going to get hit from behind anyway. The guy, you know what I mean? So w- that's what happens in the S's. You, sometimes the guy, you're just lucky if you make it through there. It, the guy that gets the message, oh, there's a record funny, check up, check up guy a couple cars behind yeah he's not checking up and you're in it anyway but see so. what what's amazing about that is like when i when i see something even in real life i my brain can't process it barely before i mean let alone get the words out like that that's what's so amazing about what you guys do is to to see something and same with like the the turn announcers like bagley or yeah uh, you know somebody like that um moody i mean i can't imagine seeing something your brain processes it and and you're already talking about it it takes my brain so much longer to. I mean, it's just. I think it's Even sort of a gift, you know. Your left and right's confused. I feel like for you. I was yeah, you that. just. I don't. Even, you know, I caught myself. I thought about it yesterday. I caught myself doing it. Normally, you're inside or outside, but there's some quick left rights right there, and you're like, you leave in turn one. You're like on your inside, inside, inside. You know, then you, you're going out of two, and there's a guy on your right, and that's inside. So you're like, yeah. oh, inside, driver's right. I'm like, oh, driver's right. You know, still there, driver's right, and. And uh, but the drivers know 
they have a flow, they have a feel of where cars are and where how they get out of corners and where cars are going to be and stuff. So that makes it, you know, that makes it a little bit easier. But it's still there. You're right with this package and <clears throat> the style of racing that it is nowadays. We're racing. It doesn't look like it all the time. We're racing closer together. We're in uh, we're in battles a lot more now than we have ever been. You know, before to me, I don't know. This package is. It closes up the race. I mean, it's close. It does. So I am a huge sports fan, right? And I look at a lot of media coverage, and I feel like that our sport is very unique in the fact that our garage is really small. We all see each other every single week, and I feel like there's a lot of things that the coverage is sensitive to guys in the booth and guys on pit road because they have personal relationships with those guys, right? I mean, if I were in the booth when Casey Kane, Jamie McMurray, Greg Biffle, all those guys were racing that I was friends with, if they did something stupid, I would have a hard time calling it out. I feel like you've done some pretty ballsy stuff in terms of what you've published. I, I want to say you pissed off Harvick somewhere sometime, down, you know, way back when. Like, how do you – Who's the driver you think you've pissed off the most? Do you fix a relationship? Do you think about it before you ride it? Like Because to me, it's a really fine line, especially in our sport, because we are so small of, do I write this and potentially piss them off, or do I not write it? I'm I'm getting more and more um, sensitive, I think, as the time goes on, which is probably not a good thing for a journalist. But I'm being honest and just saying, like, I'm much much more aware of people's feelings now, because I think – that you don't realize when you come into it that these guys really are, they're sensitive. I mean, they're people. They are. Every, everybody's sensitive, right? Um, when I first came into it, I thought, well, these are professional athletes, so if you're, if you're critical, they should be able to handle it. Like, I, I wouldn't say that about a high school football player or yeah. something. Rip uh, them, 16 but, years old. Yeah, yeah, but like, this is a professional athlete, whatever, right? Like, I, so I kind of treated it like I was a New York media member. Like, I remember... I wrote this column about Casey uh, Casey Mears in, in uh, NASCAR scene. Oh, I remember scene. that. See, this, this <laughs> is like I remember that. I really this this has still like followed me to this. Like I wish somebody at NASCAR scene at the time had saved me from myself. <laughs> it was my fault. I read it and I was like, damn. Basically, I called him the biggest loser. Like the biggest loser TV show was on at yeah, the time, and yeah. I was like, I mean, I would never in a million years do that. Now I was trying to make a point about how he had moved from place to place and he hadn't really gotten the results. And I could have made that point in a zillion different ways, but I made it in a really over-the-top, like, way. Yeah. I was, it yeah. was just starting out. So at the time, um, Casey was obviously furious. Um, Jimmy was obviously, he's yeah. friends. He, he's mad. I still don't think, I still think that's in his mind. Um, Dale came up to me or a few couple years ago, or we talked about it. Yeah. Um, and he remembered it. Tony Stewart, I remember the next week in the garage was like, uh, came up to Bob, we were coworkers at the time at scene. He's like, man, you know, like what a dick that Jeff Gluck guy is and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. And so like that kind of fallout, I mean, Mears wouldn't talk to me for a few years after that. Finally, I think maybe four or five years ago, I went to his motor home and I was like, you know what? Like that was just such a, a dick thing to do. Like I would never in a million years do that. Now I've learned, but you know, I, I apologize because that was way over the line. Right. But that's the kind of thing that it's almost like if you're a young driver and you think, well, I own the track, you know, like when, when Tony Stewart would say, that's a dart with no feathers, kind of like that. You think I, I have, I can do this, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you just don't know yet. So I think the more time you're in the, in it and in the garage and you see these people, I mean, even Kyle Bush is sensitive about headlines or what people say. He reads stuff. Oh yeah. He got mad at me about a tweet. I sent out one time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you would think all oh, these guys have thick skin. It's not going to affect them, but they're people. 
You know what I mean? They're people with cool jobs, but they're still people. Yeah, yeah. So with that said, pissing people off, have you uh, ever been called to the NASCAR hauler? I have. Uh, I've been called the NASCAR hauler, but not for my coverage, though. Oh, what was it for? Um, the first weekend I ever had a hard card, I crossed a hot track at Fontana. What? Yeah. How did you even get past security? <laughs> I so the, Wait a minute. You, a hot right, you at Fontana? The track. <laughs> that's a wide racetrack. The track was hot. Technically, I didn't know this. Okay, the the stair, the crossover stairs were down, yeah. but it had been cleared hot for pace car rides. It was like right after Xfinity qualifying or something. Yeah. So wow. the Xfinity stage was on the apron, and the the crossover gate was down, um, and the stairs were down. So I just no, yeah, nobody was crossing it. I probably should have figured that out. But I was like, oh, well, I'll <laughs> well, just I'm walk only across. Out here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking across like to the press box, and all of a sudden, like. Uh, I think it was Mike Lentz, actually, now looking back. I can't remember Oh, who. he's intimidating, too. Super nice guy, um, but he is scary. He grabs me by, by the by, – comes up, runs up behind me and grabs me by the, the collar or something. He's like, what do you think you're doing? You know, he, he like, he's talking to his radio. He's looking at my hard car, and he's like, we got a Jeff Gluck down here. You know, like, what do you want me to do with him? NASCAR holler? Okay. And I'm like, oh, crap. So he, like, takes my hard cart off. And like I go to the hauler and uh, John Darby's in there. Okay. And he like is in this <laughs> kind of like revolving chair like we're yep. in now. And he like kind of like spins around. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> and he has my hard card up in the air and he's like, having a hard card comes with certain responsibilities. And he's like giving me this lecture. And I, I I just read this article about drivers who get called to the hauler and what and how they shouldn't talk. So I'm just like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. And I remember he like goes through his lecture and gives me my hard card back. And uh, my hands were shaking so bad that I couldn't even put it back on the lanyard. <laughs> so I, just, I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I like ran out. And I was just like, oh, oh I got my hard card back. But that's, that's surprising that you could get that far without being stopped. I was almost to the stairs. Yeah, I mean that's surprising. You could get that far. That's normally when they do pace car rides, the stairs are up. Yeah, no, I think they are nowadays. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that must have been like a few years ago where the security wasn't. Yeah, wasn't as it is now. I think they pull the stairs up. This now. was like in '06, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, wow. but I haven't. You know, they don't. They don't call media members to the to the hauler for their coverage though. They they will text you or call you or email you. They will? They, yeah, yeah, oh, sure. If they sure. don't like something. Sure. I mean, that's that's almost, um, I mean, that's routine though. That's just, I think that's any sport sort of pushback, yeah. like a, a, whether it's a team PR, you know, like if, if you're covering the Redskins or whatever and you're the Redskins beat writer and you say something about the team or whatever and they're like, come on, man, you know, this is why we did this or cut us a break on this or right. there's always conversation going back and forth. But Which I think that's good. I think I that's mean, good. Yeah, I think it's good. You need that relationship. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing, too, I feel like we talked uh, to Jenna and Bob about, and you've been in this sport for so long, but as you see the sport evolve, and you mentioned not enough, not a ton of media members in the media center anymore, I mean, w- what do you see as becoming more challenging for you guys writing the stories and traveling each weekend um, as the sport changes so much? What What's a big challenge now? Um, I think just um, staying alive, like, not alive physically, but keeping your gig because it's like musical chairs, right. you know, like you yeah. see, oh man, that guy just lost his job or this outlet just cut. So really the challenging part is to do a good enough job um, and s- to stay afloat. But that's not only on the, your side too. That's on the competition right. side as well. You know, yeah. a lot of us, I can't tell you how many, how many guys on the roof have changed shirts. Crew Dis- guys disappeared. They're disappeared. They changed shirts. You know, a lot of us, it seems that, you know, most time you just make the round. You know, it's, 
like you see guys on a certain car now and in the past you can be like well he was here then he was there before that you know what i mean so um you know that goes on both sides of i think that goes with everything what's but, your what's your favorite part of this job right now at this point in your life um i honestly think this is kind of weird but um i think it's probably the tweet ups um two that's dudes. awesome that's two, cool two dudes i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the blind date tweet ups is no it, but like what, it, what is it about the tweet ups well so like we're you, you guys are the same way i mean you're always interacting with people on twitter right and there's yeah. and you end up we were just talking about the show started about nell um who's out here uh she was outside she well, came you can to make a lot, you get a lot of relationships from it man Absolutely. like make a lot of friends and stuff and you really, yeah. you really create. If you see people over and over again, I mean, you're you're making friendships. Or if you see people, they pop up on Twitter and you get to know their names, and then somebody will come up to you and they'll be like, "Hey, you know, my name's so and so," and you're like, "Well, what's your Twitter name?" And they'll be yeah, like, you "It's know that." It. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, that's yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Like, I, you're always so nice to me. You're always so mm-hmm. positive. Like, um, I mean, I've stayed at people's houses. I've gone to dinner with people. I mean, it's you really. There's it makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it makes it's like going to see friends all it over the country. It has to be cool like going to the track and I mean you get recognized a lot. I've seen you sign autographs and take pictures with fans Jeff just, as, no, just as much as the drivers have, <laughs> no, which is really cool. That's the embarrassing part though cuz I you know you're you're always taught not to be the story. Like, you know what I mean? But you built such a brand for yourself. I mean, you're representing the sport in such a great way. I feel like that's I mean I, mean, I think some of the articles you wrote in the beginning uh helped make a name for yourself obviously and then i think you've taken a good path since then you know to to learn like you said you get to know these people they're 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 humans you know they got families and and they read stuff that you write so how much fun is it covering not just nascar right now for you though because i see you doing some other fun. yeah that's actually i'm a little jealous of that yeah so i will say that um you know having covered it for this to this long um i don't know what it is but you know, it's, I think it's it's like anything. It gets to be sort of routine after a while. Like, I remember, you know, when you first start coming to races, to NASCAR races, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you get so pumped up on race yeah. day. And now it just seems normal. I mean, I hate to put it this way, but it's like you're going to work. And I always think about, like, if, it, maybe it's even that way for, like, celebrities who are on the red carpet or something at the Oscars, right? Like, the first time you go to the Oscars, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the freaking Oscars. I'm walking the red yeah. carpet. People are taking my picture. Second time you go, you're like, oh, this is still cool. 20th time you go, you're like Jack Nicholson or whatever. Yeah, and you're like, I'd rather be home. God, I gotta, <laughs> yeah, I gotta dress up. I gotta fake yeah. being nice to these people. I gotta get through this ceremony. I'd just rather be on my couch. Why do I gotta go to this? You know what I mean? Right. And it's the Oscars. Right. And I hate to say that about NASCAR races because obviously it's still really, really cool what we get to do. Right. But it just it just becomes routine. Yeah. So when I go to some of this other stuff, like um, IndyCar races or dirt or whatever, it shakes you out of your routine enough yeah. that you're like, oh, this is cool. I've never seen this. Or, I mean, you know, the Chili Bowl or Knoxville National. So when you go or, to that and you like you did the IndyCar race last week, yeah, were you kind of excited to get to the Roval this week? Yeah, no, I think it I think it freshes you up enough that you're like, well, I, I, now I want to get back to like yeah. what feels more like comfortable or home what's yeah. been you know? your favorite so far i mean you've crossed off a lot on on your yeah. bucket list 500 chili bowl um <laughs> I, I chili bowls re- i really like midget racing even more than sprint car racing i would yes. say but i think the knoxville nationals are really 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 cool i want to do that that's yeah, it's, my it's list. so fun because nothing against chili bowl but you do get like chili bowl flu oh and, it's terrible um, if i ever go to the chili bowl i'm going for like one day no you can't leaving. do that it's uh, impossible yeah, I'm not, you i don't want to get sick that's, if you go home for only one day you may as well not go 
I'll go watch the main race. I'll go watch Saturday. No, no, because no, the whole the whole point of the week is and I this is something I mean, we I watch all, them. I watch them during uh, on TV. I watch it on TV, but no, but like the partying and the community yeah. and the yeah. sense community too. Like yes. that's that's a big part. I'll of tell you one thing that one thing that probably makes it more repetitive as well is that now you understand the value of FaceTime. And, uh, you know, you, you know, having a little one, you see, you see what a, it's hard leaving. Yeah. That's, it's hard. that's true too. You know, yeah. you lay there in a hotel beds and you're just like, man, I wonder what, you know, what my daughter's doing or, you know, and it, some of that, you know, everyone, we all go through it. Yeah. You, we've all done it. It's part of being Casey bad. you'll be going through it. <laughs> yeah. You keep hinting. <laughs> nope. Not true. I've listened to this podcast. <laughs> Poor Chad. All right. Well, awesome. Let's get rolling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We need Chad on here sometime. Yeah. No, we definitely do not need <laughs> Why? Chad. Casey, good news. We won your pristine auction bid last oh, week. Brian yeah. Dungey signed photo is going to be coming in for you. Place on the table. That's better than your not other bids, wait. though. It'll be pretty cool. This week, a couple of cool items on pristineauction.com. There's a Bobby Allison signed number 12, 1969 Mercury Cyclone diecast. Coca-Cola sponsorship number 12. Looks pretty cool. We could bid on that. Or there's also a Mario Andretti 1968. Number eleven Mercury Cyclone diecast. The more I learn about um, how much him and like uh, who was it the second one Mario Mario yep. The more I hear the learn about him and like AJ Foyt, the more I realize like how badass they really were. They were yeah, and, and you know how diverse they were. They were they could race run, anything. I saw something like AJ Foyt or it might have been Mario. I can't remember which one it was. His race on like. 16 different continents. I don't know what it was. I mean... 16 continents? Yeah, there's not 16 continents. <laughs> 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 nice try. But it was like... How many continents are there? Seven. Seven. Yeah, he's raced on like six or something like that. Damn, if he raced on 16, that is amazing. <laughs> I know. He's been <laughs> there all Different planets. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Though? Like, he's been so many places and raced on raced so many different things. Um, those guys are those guys are awesome, man. So I'm, I'm going to go with the... Mario. Mario, yeah. And the fact they survived. Yeah, like they survived are, a very, yeah. very, very dangerous area, yeah, era, and they're still walking dangerous. around. I mean, AJ yeah. Foy was fighting some in IndyCar in Texas about 15 years it's ago. It's crazy <laughs> for any driver that can literally get in any kind of vehicle and win. Yeah. That, that is, people don't realize how hard that is. There's yeah. not many people that can do that. No. Tony hoping. Stewart was probably the last greatest one, right? Kyle Larson obviously can do it, but Kyle Larson doesn't have their status yet. He's not a champion, he's yeah. not done it enough. Yeah, he's and got the potential. It's cool that we have young guys that have that ability coming in. Christopher like Bell, Christopher that guy. Bell's the For same sure. way. Yeah. yeah, we have like uh, Chase Briscoe, Bell. But We've they're not ready to be guys. in conversation with AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti. No, Tony no, no, they're no. not there yet. But I, mean, I feel that, like of, of everyone that's on the field right now, I think they have the most, or they're more likely. I think yeah, in they've a few got a more diverse. Jeff Gordon could have been that guy, right? Yeah. But Jeff Gordon, once he got in NASCAR, he, he focused stayed there solely yeah. on NASCAR. <clears throat> Kyle Busch probably could do it. I think it's cool that Larson and him still get out. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I see a dirt race or something, and I'm wa- and I notice, and I know Chris Rebell's going to be in it, I'm more I'm more apt to watch that race because he's on our side. And, you know, he's one of uh, he's one of our guys now too. I'm more yeah. likely to watch that race and see how he does. What's wild for me is I watch Chad Boat be a complete badass in open wheel stuff I know and Mary i remember Casey. him coming to trucks and really struggling and you you look at that and you go this guy can't drive he can drive the wheels off a race car but he can't drive this particular kind of race car or this race car isn't fast and jeff and yeah. i've had this conversation before fast cars go fast right well it's all funding too i mean it i is. was on that side where we struggled sponsorship 
Yeah. That's if you're not was, in a uh, car, good car, you can't show your cars talent. Go fast. Yeah. I was on the roof that time. He went through like two cars at Charlotte in the front stretch grass. <sighs> I was on the flag stand for Miss Coors Light during that. Oh, you got to see experience. it. Yeah, he ripped that was like the great. front end of two cars off that weekend. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Chad's a great guy. We love him to death. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm yeah. just saying it shows that how hard it is a lot of times to yeah. get out of one vehicle and get to mm-hmm. another one. And Chad's super, well, he's Brad very Sweet. competitive. Brad Sweet right here at JRM, yeah. right? Sure. And now he's leading the world of Outlaws points. Right. Absolute yeah. badass. You right. know what I mean? Right. And but, for yeah. getting a bush car and couldn't do nothing but wreck it and finish 20th. You know? Yeah. It's hard. It's crazy. Anyway. All right. Bidding on that Mario and Jerdy sure. diecast. First topic, the hot topic on Twitter last night, Alex Bowman versus Bubba Wallace. Jeff, you are definitely taking this one. Well, um, what happened? Which part? Yeah. I want to know what started it. What started it? Like, I'll tell you what started it, and then Jeff can chime in. So at Richmond, they had a run-in, Okay. So I started last week. All right, this was that, week was that was that the same deal as with three and all that? Um, I don't or know if that it different was the one? same deal. It, that was yeah. different. It was a deal where Bubba was on the lead lap and the eighty eight was not on the lead lap and the eighty eight moved Bubba and Bubba got pissed. Right, so that was last week. This okay. week, Bubba gets wrecked on lap one by Alex Bowman. Okay, fast forward, Bubba gets back in front of Alex Bowman. He's shooting Alex Bowman the bird. He's flipping him off. Okay, Alex Bowman gets sick of it, so when they come out of the backstretch bus stop, he turns Bubba head on into the outside wall in, in oval turn three. Okay, so that's what built up to the incident that we saw. I think Barstool Sports was the, the first video the that I saw break it where he doused him with water. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it was it was actually blue Powerade. Uh, oh, it was according to oh, Jerry Jordan's great video. flavor. Wow! Um, so it wasn't it wasn't just the water. It looked like water originally, but then yeah. Jerry Jordan from kicking the tires. Had so it was a super toxic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's just uh, I- I'm spot off for Bubba's actions because it's it's Bubba needs to protect his image. Bubba right now, maybe he'll get the results someday. But right now he doesn't have the results. So what does he have? He has the popularity and the goodwill of fans because they love him. He's authentic, you know. But when you cross a line like that, when you, you know, he's, he's not kicking a man when he's down with an actual action. But when you go up to a guy who's slumped against his car getting medical attention and you throw power in his face and you get Jeff Gordon at the same time, that was kind of funny. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, the, not the medic part, though. You don't want to get the medic wet. Right. But, um, no, because, I mean, it's getting wet sucks. Yeah. It's hard on you. Well, with sticky, <laughs> sticky blue. That, the toxic blue, yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Like, that, it's just not a good look. And so Bubba needs to think, okay, what, what's this going to do? He walked all the way down pit road because Bowman finished second, so he had a lot of time to think about it. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to your own image because your image right now is all you have. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm, I, and listen to me, man. I'm a Bubba fan. I like Bubba Wallace. A lot of people say he's too arrogant. Arrogance doesn't bother me. You give me a guy with a big ego, I don't want anything to do with him. You give me an arrogant guy, I can deal with that guy, right? But for me, it's exactly what you just said. He looks bad doing this the guy's sitting down the guy's in physical distress he is getting medical attention and if you're gonna have words have words but here's what we can't do jeff is we can't understand the frustration that bubba had at that moment now he he obviously had lost his temper the only part i really 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 struggled with was when he threw it in his face he immediately turned around and walked off like throw it in the face and stand there and on it see if homeboy's gonna get up and throw a punch at you you know what I mean? Like, I, guy to guy, I'm not going to do something and then turn my back to you. He right didn't away. look like he was going to get up. Nah, he wasn't getting up. But I, so, you know, I, I hate that Alex was in 
you know, dehydrated and, and needed medical attention after this because that this is I'm I'm spot on for Bubba confronting another driver because we don't have that enough. You know, I agree. Bubba Bubba goes down there, and I don't think any of us, like he said, is going to understand the frustration that he has at that point. We don't know, like. We don't know what kind of meetings they're going on, what's going on there, you know, what pressure he is under. We don't know all that. And to get turned, I guess, he's not happy. And he's going to go down there and show a guy that he's not happy. I hate that, you know, I don't, you know, I hate that Alex had something, you know, going on there. Um, can't really do a lot then when that's going on. It's not right, in I think, my opinion. But I think what I struggled the most with is, you know, obviously they're all frustrated and whatever, but you don't use your car as a weapon to just spin him out because he gave him the finger. Like, is that, I mean. It's three to nothing in Bubba's mind, right? He hit him at Richmond. He hit him at Charlotte. He hit him again at Charlotte. Bubba's pissed. He but, got, if he but, got wrecked but, on lap one, but here's the mad. thing, man. Without cell phones, if we hear that Bubba threw water on Alex Bowman, are we really going to well, care? No. The fact that Alex spun him, that's what pisses me off. I mean, yeah. it's just, it just, I don't know that that was the right approach to do it. Like, well, then Alex should have handled it. Alex Bowman's it after the luckiest the guy in NASCAR yesterday. He was going to start on the front row and get himself in a really good position to move to the next round. And he wrecked with 25 seconds left in happy hour. What an idiot. He started the freaking race in a backup car, drove it into the backstretch chicane too hard not knowing what he had under him. Like, he just kept making errors all day and somehow or another ends up running second and making it into the freaking playoff after screwing himself all day long. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm spot off, too, for Alex getting involved in that because as a playoff driver, now he has two non-playoff drivers mad at him. And, you know, ask Joey Logano how it works out when you have people mad at you in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. now Bubba or Austin Dillon, and he didn't back down from his Austin Dillon comments this no, week he made either. it worse. Right. Yeah. So now you have two people mad at you, and, and you can say, well, I don't, I'm not going to see those guys, but you're going to see them when you're lapping them. So yeah. it's just not a good recipe for Works a guy, for me. You know? Keep it up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and he got really lucky that he didn't spin himself out when, I mean, he was obviously in trouble with the playoffs, like, at, the, at that point in time. Yeah, I think one guy's scared and the other guy's glad. I mean, that's the way I look at Alex Bowman in these situations. I don't think he's picking fights with guys that he knows are going to kick his ass. Yeah, could have handled it differently, but whatever. Next topic, Chase Elliott crashes in turn one and then comes back to win the Roval. How about Brett? Spot on, spot off. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. That guy was stupid fast yesterday. <laughs> was fast. I was making comments over our channel, too, to, our, to my crew chief of where he was passing cars. He was passing them in seven. He was passing them in eight. He was passing them in the bus stop. And I was like, but I think, Booga, as this thing goes along, he's going to get to these faster cars and realize he can't just drive by everybody. Well, I was wrong. He drove by everybody. He had the best car. And obviously, I, I, I saw a tweet yesterday. I've never seen anybody hit the wall that fast and get it reversed that fast and drive backwards and then all of a sudden here he is back taking the freaking lead it was a pretty yeah. amazing performance by him yeah spot on i mean i thought he was done when he went head on right there i'm like oh that guy's done and uh spot on for the track creating a racetrack that you can hit things and not end your day yeah not end your day that dude hit the wall head on <laughs> and he backed up and then he didn't even really do anything to the car to fix I tell you, it. it was funny because there were a couple restarts later where he was behind me and you're anticipating because of how fast he is that he would make it three wide on those restarts getting into one, and he didn't. He was scared. Like, he backed off on that whole turn one aggression thing. These guys got to start changing their batteries and their remotes for the race because last year Brad's remote disconnected, and this year Chase is disconnected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, obviously spot on. I mean, it, this is – when you look at drivers, especially like their legacy and overall – you want like moments or signature races where you can be like, oh, remember the time he did this? And 
even years from now, you'd be like, oh, remember the time he stuffed it in the wall and then he came back and won that race? People would be like, even if they don't remember the, the circumstances, they'll be like, damn, that, that was, pl- I mean, plus his celebration to yeah, go he went back over the tires. down there. Uh, and then, and then like there was that gif of him like doing the, are you not entertained <laughs> thing and the car's rolling away and he's coming through the smoke. Like yeah. that was pretty epic. Yeah. Hey, I was standing at the top of the turn one grandstands, which is by the way, is phenomenal. You can see 100% of the racetrack up there and every car he would pass, the stands would erupt. And it reminded me of Talladega when Dale Jr. would go up there and take the lead. Like he has that big in terms of our fan base. I bet he has 60, 70% of the fans. It was pretty impressive to watch that amount of people get that excited. Next one. Clint Boyer and Alex Bowman advance after entering the race below the cutoff line. Brett, how about you? Man, I'm spot on. You know, again, I think Clint did everything right yesterday. Had two phenomenal stages, had a top four finish, scored a lot of points. And we shot ourselves in the foot at Vegas, and we came back from it with Richmond there. Um, the Alex Bowman thing, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I was sitting there watching it, and with a few laps remaining, he was one point out from Ryan Newman. And to, to be running second, you know, you, you didn't get any stage points because you were stupid and wrecked your primary car. But to be running second, that's the second best you can possibly do, and you're not going to advance. Like I, I still say this. I think he was the luckiest guy out there yesterday. If Bubba – and people are mad about Bubba throwing water. If Bubba had wrecked him back, which is what I would have done, right? He's wrecked him three times. I would have wrecked yeah. him back. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even be in this conversation. So he's the luckiest guy out there in my mind. I'm, a, I'm spot on for how, how it went right there. Um, Ryan Newman's dangerous in playoff situations, scenarios. He knows how to point everything and claw his way to where he needs to be. Um, and who, uh, uh, 20 got eliminated, right? He's yes. his arguably, he's fast. He's arguably fast. the best cars. You know, he's up, you know, they're arguably the, be- arguably the best cars. Um, so to, yeah, the 20's fast, the one's fast. Yeah, the yeah. one's the. The ones quietly have been fourth, fifth, sixth all year long. Yep, so yep. Uh, we just eliminated some some serious threats right there, in my opinion. I'm spot on for the way it went down, especially with Bowman, just because, I mean, as we've documented, the guy's going to start second. Oh, this is going to be great. He's going to have a great chance. Junks his car, has to start in the back, wrecks on lap one, comes all the way back, and he's still not in great position, but he, on that late restart, drives past some of the best names in the Cup Series. Uh, to put himself in decent position if something happened to Ryan Newman, which it did. So I mean, that's all that's that's all he could do. Really, I got to ask you this: so we are only concerned about our car primarily, and then we're concerned about our organization, right? For you guys that are covering this, how intense was it? The final eight ten laps of that race, seeing I mean, because literally it was going: this guy's in, this guy's in, this guy's out. Now that guy's out. Like, what what are you guys in the media center doing? Uh, there's a lot of like ooing and eyeing. Uh, you're not supposed to make. You're not supposed to cheer or boo. You know what I mean. But there's a lot of people going, oh, you know, because you're you're seeing it switch, and all of us have no dog in the fight, right? So it's just fun. I think it's it's the same thing as, uh, well, if, I was going to say the same thing as fans. Um, but if you have your driver in it, obviously it's not yeah. fun for you. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's just like that's why you watch it, right? That's why this is the elimination format's worth. That's why we have the playoffs? Yeah, I mean. You're like, oh my gosh, the drama here! I can't believe what's you know. How's this going to yeah. end up? I mean, it's. I love the playoffs, yeah. man. I love it. It puts everyone under the. Right now, normally we know who's going to race for a championship. It's usually down to two guys in the old, like the old system. It's like two guys right now. One guy's got like a 300 point lead, and now, 
it's reset right now, man. You, Last got- night was the equivalent of winning an NFL playoff game, you know, yeah. and, and it's it's not one race, it's three races, but nonetheless, you've won a playoff round. I've come around on it. You know, I used to hate the idea when it first started just because um, I'm like, this is not the best way to crown a champion. But I think with everything that NASCAR is these days, you know, they're really prioritizing the fan entertainment with the rules package. Everything they're doing is prioritizing fan ent- entertainment. They're, they don't care about like the IndyCar or F1 style purity. You know what I mean? They're trying to entertain people. This is entertaining. It so is. this is a fitting way to decide the NASCAR champion. You know and they I mean? open up their minds. NBC was big in in this whole eliminate people, four guys, one race at the end. Like for NASCAR to be open-minded on that, that's, it that's needed a pretty it. big step. It needed it, in my opinion. We were, lo- we were losing. I'm sorry, but yesterday's a game seven moment, and we still got freaking seven races to run. And we got more of them coming, too. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. got to do two more of them before we go race for a championship, you know, to yeah. find out who's going to be in that. Yeah. I mean, I remember at this point in the season a few years ago without the playoffs, we were short for storylines. We were just trying to figure out what to talk about in, right. in general, and you, yeah. you know it best. So I think we're definitely not short at this point. Uh, continuing with our playoff topics, Ryan Newman eliminated from the playoffs after missing the chicane late on Sunday. Jeff, spot on, spot off. I'm actually spot on for this, but the reason is that it highlighted what Newman was able to do. Um, because I, I was huge Ryan Newman doubter this entire season. I'm like, well, he's not going to make the playoffs. Then he makes the playoffs, and I'm like, well, he's definitely not going to get out of round, round one. Yeah. And then he has two top two top tens, including a top five, going into the elimination race. And I'm like damn, this guy, I mean, he doesn't have, like, the fastest car by any means. His organization didn't seem like a playoff organization. Here he is. He's about to, like, carry this team on his back for for his racing style that pisses everybody off. Yeah. He's just going to do his own thing anyway, and he's somehow going to point his way into the next round. And he was ready to do it uh, and and basically one mistake short of making it happen. So, I mean, you have to give him credit for his playoff run. I know people aren't thrilled with him, especially the the Benedetto thing at Bristol. But man, he he had a heck of a run. He knows what he has to do, and he does. He got Ricky Stenhouse fired, (laughs) basically. I mean, right? He does a really good job. He's a he's an under the radar. You said last week he he was good. He was fine. You said it on this show. Ryan Newman's going to be fine. He's thirteen points to the good. He's fine. And I said he wasn't. Unless you wreck. He wrecked about five times yesterday. If you, if you wrecked, times every wrecked? corner of that car was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know wrecked, he was in at least I mean, three wrecks. It's like he needed points. At one point, I looked down, and he was five points out. There was a wreck. He was in it. And after right. that wreck, he was in. I was lap like, one, I guess you just wreck your way into this thing. From lap one, Ryan Newman was fine. The other guys were doing what they needed to do. He just oh, – He was junk. He was running 18th. He wasn't going to get stage yeah, points. Yeah, but the other guys were taking care of them. He wasn't getting so. stage points. And if he'd gotten stage points, he'd have been wow. fine. If the 88 wrecks out, 20, here's my, here's my problem. Broke. I don't think this is in the show anywhere. I watched Kyle Bush drive backwards down pit road, drive into the garage, get out of his car. He DNF'd. Okay. And I'm all for those guys that have a great regular season of getting a first round by because that happens in all forms of sports. But Kyle Bush is now the points leader again after not realistically being the points leader. He was probably sixth or seventh in points based on where we left yesterday. How in the hell do we have a format that allows this guy to be the points leader again after a DNF and after being Sixers? That, that's where I have a struggle. That's the points. And you're looking at Kyle Bush, points leader, Martin Truex second, Denny Hamlin third, Joey Logano fourth, blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't understand how we're giving him that much credit this late in the playoff process. You know what I mean, Jeff? 
That's the only way to do playoff points, though, right? You can't subtract them once you. Everybody can be, but here's the thing. All right, so round one of playoff, it was three races. If you got stage points, and if you want to race for the five bonus points, give them that for round two. Take away all these other regular season points because that's behind us. The fact that Tom Brady threw seven touchdowns in game three is not going to help him get through the second round of the NFL playoffs. I think that opens the way for another Newman situation, though, does, where yeah. you can point your way into Homestead, and they don't they don't want that, right? It's I mean, three races, though. But if you can do I, it in three races, that's what your they, job is. I, didn't this come into effect sort of after the Byron thing, too, after Byron blew up in his truck or you know he, he didn't make it? Yeah. Yep. If he had playoff points, he would have made it. So that this was some sort of a protection for having a regular season. I mean, you still have to give him credit for the regular season he had. This is why you race for playoff points. This is why those points all add up during the season. This it should, is why it should you give that. Kyle Busch a buy all the way to Homestead, though. I mean, if you're that dominant, he had a really successful season, man. So I, I mean, don't it, care. I don't, I don't just, agree with it. It makes you go for them points. It's the only. I think it's the only way to do. If you're going to do this this way, I think it's the only way you can do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Next one, NASCAR's officiating of the Roval with inconsistent cautions and lengthy <sighs> yellow flag periods. Take a deep breath, Jeff. Yeah, you Can okay you get, there? You get a minute and a half. <laughs> Listen, uh, <laughs> obviously I'm spot off because it, this race didn't seem to be very uh, well officiated by NASCAR standards, NASCAR's major league standards. Um, now, let me start with this. I did sit down with um, NASCAR's Mike Ford. You know who that is, the PR yep. guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, cause I needed explanation, like what, what was up with the caution? So his thing is if they are looking at a caution, um, and they see it happen in front of them, like with the 17, they see a bunch of smoke on the backstretch, they're calling it other times they, they are, there's 17 turns. He said, it's the most challenging track for them to spot, uh, to, to see stuff happen. Sometimes somebody will say, Hey, turns 13 or whatever. And they're looking. And, and by the time they're looking over there, a car's rolling away. So, when we media or fans see it on the replay, the same type incident that called a caution earlier may not call a caution. That's, you know, cause they're not seeing it live. That said, there was many examples. It seemed like yesterday or several, at least where you're like, well, why is that a caution? Why is that not? I mean, Alex Bowman lap one spins through the chicane. Oh, how's that not a no caution? caution. Yeah. Um, later Ryan priest spins through nobody around, doesn't hit anything. Keeps, keeps going. going. Caution. Uh, later in the race, Matt Tift coming out of turn six, sitting backwards on the track. Ryan Newman, other people are going into the grass to avoid him. No caution. Later, Stenhouse with when you know he spins on the backstretch chicane again. Seven laps later, caution. So it's just kind of like, ugh. Like yeah. as as a viewer, you just want it to be consistent either way. I don't care if it's always every time a caution or or not. If they're going to let it go like other road courses, but I'll I don't tell know. you though, it's a, so this is a hard topic because. Unless you see the wreck happen, unless you're watching it when it happens, you don't know what went down to create it. And you don't know, to me, if somebody spins off and the whole field's coming by there still, you got to throw it, man. You can't have a car sitting there. I don't care if he's a little bit out of the way. If another car spins out and slide, and they go sliding off and it crashes in them, that could be a bad situation. Um, like, unless you see the wreck happen, um, you know, I get the thing where the ones in the beginning, they didn't throw a cost for them, so that kind of set the precedent. Okay, if there's a single car spin through there, we're not going to get a caution. And the Matt Tiff, then we did. We went around Matt Tiff to run that wreck, and I was like, oh, like that wasn't my area to spot, but it was right in the middle of the racetrack, you know. And but unless you see the wreck happen, and a lot like he said, there's 17 corners here, and you know, I don't know who's looking where there, but if you don't see it happen, it's 
you know, I get it. There's just a judgment call whether when you see it, okay, does that look bad? Okay, this guy's way out in the grass. That field went by. He'll get it going again. Um, you know, I I think I don't know if there's ever going to be a perfect way to there there can't be really unless you have somebody unless you I don't know. It's too many corners. Too many, the cars are spread out. There's I don't think you'll ever have it perfect, and there's always going to be. There's always going to be that, well, that guy got rolling really quick, and we didn't need it there. Well, maybe there were three cars coming in there at speed. They didn't want them going through there and hitting him, you know, or possibly sliding off and hitting him too. Just because a guy sitting offline so doesn't are, mean, are, doesn't are, mean are you saying Are you saying they did a good job or didn't do a good job? Uh, I think it's hard to do. I think it's going to be hard to do a perfect job at them. I think they did – I think they did it. To me, it's a new – I was explaining to him a little bit ago, too. This is a new racetrack, too. When we see cars wrecked there, we don't really know where they're going to go in all the corners at, Corners yet. We go to some of these places like Bristol. We know where these cars are going to end up. We see a wreck. We know that guy's going up here, and then he's coming down here. When you see a guy wreck in, in seven or eight, we don't necessarily know where that guy's going to go quite yet. We haven't seen enough wrecks there as a spotter. Jeff, who do you think, who do you think is responsible for the caution coming out? Is it – the guy calling the race, or is it the series director? Is it Mike Helton? Like, are there multiple people that are saying we want a caution here? I mean, I from what I can tell, there's like several. There's a bunch of NASCAR people all sitting in the booth, and I think they're all collaborating. I think um, the race director ultimately has the authority to do it, but it's not just his call. Sometimes, right? I yeah. mean, if somebody else could see something and then he's like, Oh yeah, you're right. That's what I'm assuming. I mean, what I if he, like but that. then what if he sees something and he's like, Oh, well, that guy spinning out, I got to put it, you know what that's I mean? What like, I, I was told that he happened to be looking right at the backstretch chicane. Uh, when the Stenhouse thing happened, he sees a bunch of smoke. He sees a car spinning. He's yeah. putting it out. I know? thought Stenhouse hit the wall. And if a car hits the wall to me, that's an automatic. That needs to be a caution. Um, I, I thought it was a good job personally. I know there was some, I know there was some times where, okay, did we really need a caution there? But um, I mean, the, the, it's hard to, to do. We, we started the Xfinity race with a hell of a wreck, and we just kept going. We started the race in the Cup Series with a hell of a wreck, and we just kept going. So that, to Jeff's point, is where I struggle when I see Chase Elliott by himself drive completely off the racetrack, off the racetrack, out of the racing groove, bumps the wall, backs up, and yet we stop the whole field and we get a caution. Because for me, his wreck probably was the least warranted caution. Yeah, I mean. He, he was nowhere near the racetrack. I didn't think about that at the time, but, it, but some people pointed that on Twitter afterwards, and I went back and watched it. And I didn't, I didn't realize at the time how quickly he got out of there. And, and they threw the caution going. immediately. Yeah. He yeah. was still sliding his tires. Put it out. And I'm like, Yeah, that thing was why? like a trampoline, man. He shot right back and took off again. So yeah, um, It's it, always going to be. There's always going to be teams that want cautions at certain points, and there's yeah. going to be teams that don't want cautions. And it's going to go points. over to the fan base, And we're too, going though. to complain yeah. when it goes against us, and we're going to be happy when it goes for us. So you can't listen to us all the time, but I certainly can understand your frustrations because I saw Ryan Priest. I texted Ryan Priest this morning, and I said, hey, man, did you get wrecked or what happened? He said, no, I ran out of talent. But at no point did I ever see that car stop completely and be yeah. you know, stalled. At any rate, and no point did I see anybody coming in there that was going to hit him, and that's one of those where I'm like, hmm, why, why was that? A well, and then what happened? The, the problem is that then that leads to more, right? Because that was the next wreck percent. with Eric cautions, Jones. His cautions. season's over, and that's right. Um, immediately after that, that changes the whole game, and and because so much emphasis is put on the playoffs and elimination, yeah. If if they're going to have this format, I just feel like 
let's really see it buttoned down and really, really airtight as much as possible. And I know they're trying. I mean, they're obviously not being yeah. like, ah, oh, just whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I absolutely understand they're trying, but for a playoff format, it, it's so, so, so important. Everybody's season's on the line. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't like to see that affected. Right. By, by that, you know Giant I mean? kudos to NASCAR for the red flag because we didn't even ride important. around there. Yeah, and, yeah that and, was, and, and, and watch that was those guys. Good. Yeah, clean them. But yeah. I do think the red flag kicked Ryan Newman's ass. I, I think him sitting back there hot. Obviously, Alex Bowman. I think that red but flag. Think about it. Because Clint was like, "Holy cow!" It's well, hot. They didn't if get we water, run, right? They didn't we, make it through. They're just sitting not there through everybody. Some people did. They got water to some of them. Yeah. But I'm thinking about though, if we go green and they and we and we go back there and we junk four or five, that'd be really bad. Real bad. Or if we run around five, six laps under caution, and that that's going to be bad as well. So um, I think road courses in general, especially new road courses with a lot of corners like this, it's going to be a learning experience for the everybody. Roval, the Roval itself, man, is freaking it's an animal. awesome. It's an animal. So should Fast. they do local yellows? I mean, I, I, I don't, don't like local yellows because to me that's – Recently here, well, the rule though on local yellow is you can't pass one another, and you should slow yes. down and be safe. Well, if I'm going to do that and lose three seconds to the leader, you're screwing me, right? Don't. There's don't, always going to yeah, be. I'm not a local yellow guy either. How do you know? You, know, I, I watched you go through there ten mile an hour faster than I did last time. That I'm like, well, I was just slowing down. This guy took off through there. That's how. That's hobby racing to me. We're, we're, we got too much on the line. For and me that's to how do that. that guy um, in that Formula Two a couple years ago that um, Jules Beyond that guy. Yeah. That was a local yellow. They were out there with that crane picking the car up, and he slid off the track and hit the deal. I mean, I don't, I would, I don't want to deal with any of that, you know. And it's just going to be a, a contest. Like I'm following you through there, but I, I also want to gain. I also want to gain. Absolutely. These guys are racing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't there's, think there's our, too much on the line. Our sport's yeah. not a local yellow. Yeah. Ricky Stenhouse out. Chris Buescher in the 17 car in 2020. <laughs> TJ, spot on, spot off. Um, man, I really liked Chris Buescher, what he was doing in that 37 car, but this is a move that I, I guess I had no idea that Roushel had ties with, with him that could pull him back if they wanted to. Neither did JTG. Yeah, well. <laughs> Neither did I Ricky, mean, I guess. Yeah, so, but, you know, congrats to him for getting pulled back to where he won championships, you know, at, but obviously there's a – he knows he's got to perform now, or they'll make a change. We're in a performance business, you know. Yeah. I, I'm spot off on a lot of things here, though. Um, Jack Rouse shouldn't have took a shot, cheap shot at Ricky in the media by saying we're going to work on making our cars better versus work on you know fixing torn up race cars. We all know Ricky wrecked a lot. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that could be said there, but I mean, if you're on your way out with a guy that won you a championship and guy that won you your last race you ever won. Was Ricky Stenhouse? Why? Why are you gonna take a swing at the guy, man? The owners always come out on top in these scenarios, and to me, there could have been a little bit more class shown by Jack's comments. And then I look at what's really confusing to me, Jeff. This is where I'd love to hear your opinion. Like you got a driver that you're competing against, Kevin Harvick, who is making comments on your behalf, and you know Jack Roush is a Ford organization. Kevin drives for Ford. Like I can't imagine being a defensive end in a football game and me being the agent for the quarterback and I got to go tackle that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess if, if it wasn't NASCAR, I'd look at it differently, but I feel like there's so many situations in NASCAR where people have conflicts of interest all over, all over the board. So it's almost like, ah, well, it's just another one. You know what I mean? Like to have a driver representing another driver, um, 
I don't know. It's I mean, there's so many crossed paths in NASCAR. But <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny that Kevin is arguing for Ricky and Spire right. is arguing, arguing against Kevin and Jack is MF and Ricky. I'm like, this is like a damn soap opera. I just have to say how Ricky is handling it, though. I, I mean, really the like comments Ricky's that interview. he had. That just shows. I mean, Ricky's interview still, was really good. It was everything he's dealing with. I've stood beside of Elliot Sadler in these moments, and you don't know whether you want to cry or what to say, but no matter what, you take the freaking high road. That's what made me upset with Jack's comments, because if you're going a different direction because performance isn't there, just say it. You don't have to take a cheap shot at a guy that's done a lot for you. In my opinion, Ricky's done a lot for Jack Roush. Well, I think what bothered me the most, um, and I didn't realize this until I saw Bob Pockers' video where he's interviewing uh, Tagga Schichter from JTG. But so Bob's asking him on this video, well, you know, what was your reaction when you found out or when did you find out? He said, Tad, the owner of JTG, found out that his driver was leaving when it was in the media. And he said that was also the first time he even knew it was a possibility when it was announced that he's already going. I mean, you'd wow. think somebody on some end would have at least been like, hey, man. Here's the deal. This is what's going on. I want yeah. you to at least know before Chris it's Chris probably public. manages his own business. You know, he may not have a manager that can do those kinds of things. I mean, it's it's a, it's a freaking weird ground, you know? It's, well, it is really weird. Is that, good like- for, is that good for Chris to know that? But here's the thing. Trevor Bain found out that he got fired from Michael McDowell, who read it on the internet, <laughs> yeah. with the same organization. So... I mean, this is a cutthroat business. People don't realize how big of a cutthroat business it is. I think ultimately it's a good driver move. Yeah. Just the way, the circumstances around surrounding it, you wish that maybe. Fest. I wonder if Majeski has something similar. <laughs> Chris Buescher has got you know? to get in this car and perform, though, because yeah, he's not sure. marketable. He's not going to sell a lot of sponsorship unless he's winning races. I feel like this is a good move for, I think he will mix well with, with Ryan Newman. How I, many people do you think in the country know who Chris Buescher is? Uh, I would say his Q score, and I don't know what the new thing is now, but back in the day it was a Q score. Like, I can't imagine him ranking that high. He's going to have to perform, and he's got two years yeah, to do it. I would be – I'd honestly be willing to bet that majority of people don't know that he's won a championship. In there's the a lot race. of talk, and we'll throw so, a rumor bill out here, but there's a lot of talk a month ago that Reddick was either going to go to Roush and get the 17 or he was going to go and get in the 8. Well, we see what's playing out there. He's going to get in the 8. But it's almost like from a timing perspective, the minute that they saw, that minute that Roush saw, Reddick wasn't going to have a chance to come over there, that's when they started pulling these triggers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something they felt like they had to do, but I I thought Ricky's interview was really good. Spot on for everybody, man. Ricky's going to have a chance, hopefully, for a new start. Big opportunity for Chris Busher. Maybe that's what he needs. He's getting a lot better equipment. Maybe Ricky Um, needs a a fresh start somewhere, man. Yeah, and Roush is is back cycling up, you know? Yeah, good. I mean, maybe. Let's take a break and see what's coming up this week on the Dale Jr. Download. Listen up. When you're done listening to Door Bumper Clear, go listen and subscribe to my podcast, The Dale Jr. Download. This week, we get to know a very important person in our sport, Marcus Smith. Don't forget to catch us on TV Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. and midnight on NBC Sports Network. The Dale Jr. Download, available on major podcast platforms. Hey guys, you know the best way to win authentic and affordable memorabilia is pristineauction.com, an online auction site. Yeah, they have many different auction types, including daily auctions with bids starting at just $1 and ending nightly. Also, the uh, 10-minute auction is one of my favorite. It's a great way to get in a quick bid. 
rapid fire. Man, I just love they guarantee the authenticity because there's a lot of black market autographs out there. These guys are going to guarantee you that the autograph is real. The merchandise you're getting is authentic. Yeah, I'm really just glad you said authenticity right again. Uh, but check out these previous NASCAR item bids that went for super low prices. You get a, a David Pearson signed diecast went for one dollar. Silver Fox from South Carolina. Silver Fox. That was Fox. my first favorite driver in NASCAR. I was four years old. I was on an infield. I watched that number twenty one drive by, and I was like, "That's a pretty race car." Ends up, I got good tasting guys. Bill Elliott signed photo. <laughs> $24.26. So you realize that it's quick and free to register, and you get $5 when you use our uh, our code that Brett's going to tell you in a second. But just think about it. You get $5 for free. You could have bought five David Pearson signed diecasts. Man, that breaks my heart. Know that. I know it. Go to the registration page. Enter the word clear. That's spelled for all you people that can't spell. C-L-E-A-R. You'll get five bucks credit. So go check them out, man, pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction, A-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. Let's go into fast lane. Three racing questions. One off-the-wall question. 30 seconds to respond to each. Only 30 seconds. How are you going to stop from talking? Good luck. Fast lane. Thorsport is lobbying NASCAR to put Johnny Sauter and Grant Emfinger back in the Truck Series playoffs after being eliminated as a result of spec engine failures at Las Vegas. Should NASCAR step in and change its rules because of a third-party engine supplier error? Jeff, what do you think? The worst decision in NASCAR history was adding Jeff Gordon to the chase in 2013 because, you know what I mean? Sorry, like, no, you should not add people back in things happen. This is a very unfortunate, I mean, I feel bad for him, but there's going to be spec parts in the future that break and you can't just set a precedent like this. Yeah, I think, uh, it's tough to add. It's terrible luck. Um, yeah, it's terrible luck. It, there, this just opening, this opens the door for <laughs> so much other stuff. When you do something like this, we've just gotten a lot of things ironed out with tech and all that. We don't even talk about tech anymore. If you're out, you're out, you know, and um, I feel like it opens the door, but we'll, we'll see. I think it's a brilliant PR move for Thor Sport to do this, to issue this letter and say they've done it. I think NASCAR has made their bed, though. They went out and got this this supplier, and you can't you can't undo what's already been done, right? I think NASCAR should look at this, though, for the Cup Series future and decide, do we really want to farm the chassis out? Do we really want to farm these bodies out? Do we really want to go the direction that we're going? Because it's less liability on the teams. I can't be responsible for my entire car when I'm required by NASCAR to go get these parts and pieces from a specific vendor. Round 12 begins at Dover. Name a playoff driver that could surprise you with a win on Sunday and advance. Brett. Man, last year Clint Boyer was in, 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 in position to potentially win this race, and then Ryan Newman got him loose, and that's when that whole Newman thing started. People that saw Clint get upset with him at the All-Star race, it goes back to one year ago this weekend when it all started. Um, I, I really think uh, – I don't want to give away my pick here with DBC picks, but I think you got to look at – you know, Martin Truex is going to be fast, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and the Gibbs cars are just going to be fast. Uh, but a guy like Kyle Larson, I think this is just fits right into what he's good at. Yeah, this uh, – Kyle Larson was going to be my pick. He's um, – if this place moves around and, and grips up in, in different lines, he's going to be tough to beat. Well, I was going to say Larson. I mean, the thing is, there's not very many surprises that win anymore. Um, Larson hasn't won in a couple of years, so he'd qualify as a surprise. I don't really see any other people that are left in the playoffs jumping up that would you'd be like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll take Biffle. 
<laughs> I mean, you look at Dover, though, man, like Matt Kenseth, Jimmy Johnson. Those were the two best guys. Biffle, Kyle. And then all of a sudden, Kyle Larson comes along, and you're like, all right, when those guys are gone, Kyle Larson's going to win every race here. Well, then we go to this rules package that makes it a lot harder to pass and changes the dynamic of the corner speeds. And you're like, well, maybe Kyle Larson isn't as special as we thought he was. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting. Off the wall question. Amazon will begin offering the use of celebrity voices for its Alexa device with Samuel L. Jackson being available first. Which celebrity voice would you want talking to you on the device? TJ. Morgan Freeman. Ooh, I knew you were going to say that one. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. I'm thinking like uh, some hot chick. Give me a good you hot would. chick that's famous. Who's hot? Depends on your taste. I like, you know what? I was a Sandra Bullock fan. I don't know what the hell she's doing these days. She's probably got fat and cut her hair, but I'll go with her. <laughs> probably driving on a bus over 50 mile an hour. Yeah, that's a good movie. <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> like, I really loved her, not like a sister. <laughs> How about you, Jeff? <laughs> well, as Brett once did for Waze, um, I think Brett on Alexa would be great because he'd be like, <laughs> Alexa, order me more toilet paper and be like, damn, you feeling okay? Like, what? That's a lot of toilet paper. Why do you need that much toilet paper for? Or something like that. You, you know sound I mean? just like, like it, too. Alexa, order you, a pillow for my butt. You yeah. really do listen to the show. Yeah. Well, you know, killer. you remember when Brett broke his tailbone? Oh, right, right. I yeah. broke my ass. It's better now. Think of all the judging uh, Brett slash Alexa could do yeah, in your home. That's what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> what is OfferPad? We're the new way homes are sold. We're your online home buyer. OfferPad is the modern selling solution with a human touch that lets you skip all the traditional headaches. Selling to OfferPad means no showings, you pick your closing day, and we'll even move you locally for free. Go to OfferPad.com, enter basic information about your home, and the next day, we'll send you a great offer. It's free and there's no obligation. We want to buy your home. So request your offer today. OfferPad. Move freely. Yo, OfferPad.com is the easiest way to sell your house. All you need to do is tell them about your home, and you receive an offer within 24 hours. That is one day. That's fast, man. I'd love to sell anything and make money on it in one day. That's what you can do if you use OfferPad.com. They allow you to pick your own closing date. You don't have to worry about dealing with people, man. All you millennials out there, you don't have to deal with people. <laughs> you can avoid showings. You can avoid open houses. You can avoid signs in your yard. Yeah. You don't even have to clean the damn thing up. All you got to do is go to OfferPad.com and put in your info. Yeah, join thousands of happy homeowners who have already sold the OfferPad. And uh, visit OfferPad.com today. Ask DVC, Jared Welsh 5 asks, what are the odds of Ross Chastain getting one of the Open Cup seats next year or an Xfinity ride? Uh, Brett, since you're closest one, I'm going to ask you that question. 100%. To what? 100%. That's a question. What are the odds? Rods are 100%. Name. Okay, Ross's name, his name is in the hat for any available open seats. I know. Any, I want to know what series. the rumor is. There ain't no rumor. That's just... You have Seriously? a pool of drivers that you want, and it, nobody's going to go out there and be like, oh, uh, you know, man, I'm going to put this guy in there. He runs 25th every week. And There's a pool of drivers that people know are available, and that's Ross's name is in that hat. The problem is with any with, – with our sport in particular right now – Needs funding. The owners, yes. The owners, when, when we were at our best – the owners would go hire the best driver available, and then they would go out and find the sponsorship to support the effort. Now, every conversation that you have with drivers about their future, one of the first questions they ask you is, hey, TJ, how much money you got with you? 
Yeah. And if you're, hey, I got five mil. What do you got, Brett? Seven. Wow, well, we're going to take Brett. We're going to go with Brett. Yeah, because he's yeah. got $7 million. So when yeah. you look at, you know, the, the Corey LaJoy's of the world and the Michael McDowell's of the world, they do have a little bit of money with them, and it gets them in rides like they're in. If they have more money in them, then it's going to get them in a ride like Suarez has, right? So sometimes you have sponsorship that is attached to a driver, and sometimes the driver has straight-up yeah. family money he's bringing with him, I like a Michael like, Annette play, right? I feel like we're starting to trend a little bit back into the direction of, you know, well, this guy's talented. I feel like we got a pool of – some of them are driver's kids that are just talented that are going to have – you know, they're talented. That's what they know. Um and it's easier for sponsors to get behind somebody they think that they you know that's going to be talented rather than you know I don't know yeah, the, the economics of the sport has changed a lot. But I feel like it got really bad there for I a mean, while. You, you know, and I, I'm not taking a shot at Alex Bowman when I say this, but you replaced Dale Jr., the largest name in the sport at the time, one of the top five largest names in the history of the sport, with Alex Bowman. Yeah, that's that's that tells you where where the economics of the sport's at. What do you think Alex Bowman made in comparison to what Dell Jr. made? A tenth? Five percent? Ain't even close. Ain't even close. Less than a tenth. Less than a tenth, right? A thousand percent less than a tenth. I would probably say. So the economics of it's just a lot different. But, I mean, this is a great question. I think Ross has proven he's worthy of being in a a particular But, honestly, though, Dell Jr. did bring more sponsorship. You know, they were behind him. So that's why that was able to happen. Yeah, but back in the day – you would have hired the absolute best driver mm-hmm. you could possibly hire. Yeah. And it's just different now. Yeah. It's different. Next question is from Jason Halsey 12. If the stages were reversed and you'd have longer stages at the first half of the race and do short run stages at the end, would this make mm-hmm. for more aggressive calls or racing? TJ, what do you think? Uh, I think it's set up well how it is. If you have longer stages if you have a long stage in the beginning you're going to have less cars on the lead lap you're going to have you're going to have somebody always takes off in the beginning of these races like look at us where were we vegas yeah we drove from 23rd to the lead and we're gone week before that harvick was checked out you know you know i think you're setting yourself up for a a worse race doing that i think the whole point of the stages right was to keep people the audience engaged longer yeah. earlier in the race and give them more action earlier you know there's going to be action toward the end yeah most of them are set up right though you either yeah. you get a late caution it flops the field right. so you see who's stage point racing and who's going for the win you know and then depending on when the next caution falls or how things fall i mean it can flop again so i think it's exciting i love everything about stages only thing i don't 100 percent. well i shouldn't say i love everything about them i don't love the fact that every time we take the green in the second stage we automatically know there's going to be fewer green flag laps in that particular stage so like yesterday you know we got a 25 lap stage and then another 25 lap stage well when we throw the caution on lap 25 we're realistically at lap 28 or 9 before we go back green we know we only have 20 to 21 laps of racing i would rather we reverse that somehow why don't we just add five laps to the second stage i'm down with that you know, if it's 25 and 50, why don't it just be 25 and 55? 55, yeah. Next one is from Teamster Dusty. During interviews, sometimes when reporters get a lot of attitude, depending on the driver's mood and outcome of the race, how do you prepare yourself to deal with that situation? And who is the nicest driver no matter the situation? Jeff. That's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, it kind of depends on the driver. Some drivers you know that – uh, they might get personal with you or bite your head off. Like if you're going up to like um, a really pissed off. No, <laughs> Kyle's, 
I, Kyle, the thing is about, I, you know, he, I don't really take it personally with him. Wasn't you know, like he's, two weeks ago where he was like, that's a dumb question. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, you know, yeah. I feel like he's mad at the world, right? Harvick uh, or like a Kurt Busch, if they're mad, they might make it a little bit more personal toward you, like the person yeah. asking them. Kyle, I just feel like he's mad at everybody. So yeah, I don't really gonna, take his personal. Whether you, you ask know? or some whoever else asks, you're going to get the same response. Right. Instead of like, have well, you ever wanted a, to punch a driver because he said something mean to you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Who is it? Well, that's what I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I remember, I mean, Kurt, Kurt back in the day was pretty bad though. Like I remember one time when we were, a bunch of us were walking, he's like, you clowns, why don't you go cover the circus? You know, you you know, blah, blah, blah. Like just yelling. He got in trouble for what he said to Jerry Punch. And Bob. Yeah. And Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But Kurt, Kurt's, (laughs) Kurt's much better now. I think the nicest driver, no matter the situation, I'm trying to think of like angry driver after a race or something bad happens. I would probably say Joey. I don't think Joey's... I've never seen Joey like get mad at a reporter or blow somebody off. A lot of drivers, if they're mad, will just bolt. Like even Brad will try to find a way to get away. Um, but the like Joey, Joey's gonna... Like he, he kind of has more perspective or like he'll give you a... He'll give you a good answer. He's not gonna make it attack you. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. I, I really look back, man, at a guy like Dale Jarrett and how he handled himself with the media and think these kids these days probably need to go back and watch some of his stuff because he could have a really, really, really bad day and still handle himself like a man, and some of these kids can't do that. Well, Dell Jr., too. I mean, he really he's the one guy that could have blown us off all the time. For sure. And he never did. He didn't need you guys. I, I remember one time um, he there was a miscommunication, and he went out. He didn't realize there was reporters waiting for him. Yeah. And he, like, reached out to me and apologized via email and told my told me to spread the word to the other reporters that he felt so bad that he didn't realize we were waiting out there because we had written he saw we written dale jr had no comment or whatever yeah and he's like oh my gosh i didn't know you guys were out there i feel so bad like that was not my intention at all i'd never do that to you guys yeah and i was just like man even the 30th place driver would never apologize if he blew off an interview you know and here's the most popular guy doing it. which kind of brings me to a point here so back in the day pr people played a gigantic role in the whole process of publicity what what is their role right now is it literally just send the tweets or what what do they do for you guys because i was hired by sitco petroleum to be be a liaison to the media and to ultimately gain publicity for their racing program what what is it like these days for pr people and you um it's you know the newer ones i don't i don't know as well like there's some old school the, the i mean old school i mean the ones that were around 10 years ago yeah i feel like they kind of have a different approach still like a lot of the guys and women working for like true speed communication and stuff um, right you know they're they're sort of stuck with like the veteran pr people the newer ones I think they're more sensitive, like, oh, I need to keep the media sort of away from my driver. What an idiot. I need to, like, block, you know, I need to control access where sort of the older ones realize, like, hey, we need to talk. We need to get out in front of this. Here's how I'll manage the situation. But they're not going to be as much of, like, a gatekeeper. You know what I mean? Right, So that's how it sort of changed. Wow. So the new new people are stupid. Not not all 100%, but (laughs) I think they're they're not – they're more sensitive. They're like, I I don't want to get in trouble for this. Right. So I'm going to sort of, like, make sure that you can't get to my driver. That's the wrong way. Oh, wow. Good enough. Last one is from It's Not Binary. I'm planning a three-week trip to the U.S. from Belgium. What should I put on my itinerary to get the full U.S. racing experience? Brett. Jeez. Where's Belgium at? Next to France. Is it? 
Can don't you drive run, from uh, there? How's this guy going to get here? <laughs> don't we run Bristol Martinsville back to back in the next spring? Year. Man, I I don't know. I mean, Jeff covers. He wants a full U.S. racing experience. Jeff can answer this better than I can. I mean, the month of May yeah. is fun, but it's hotter than hell. I think, yeah, I think the month of May, like, what, what if you went all-star race one week, Indy 500 next week, yep. and then is it Pocono doubleheader next year? Is that after, what's after that? No, that's right? Kansas next year. Oh, Kansas. Yeah. Wow. Well, you'd get the full experience. you get a mile-and-a-half track, too. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, this package um, mile-and-a-half is yeah, pretty fun. Right, right, so. right. I think the May has to, I mean, you have to do the Indy 500. Like, you have to. So if I feel you did like all star race, Indy five hundred, and then another NASCAR race, you'd you I mean that's kind of cool. When is when are the Iowa Nationals? I mean the Knoxville Nationals. Uh August. August. Yeah. 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 Huh. I mean you could so do So you could Br- do that in Bristol. You could do Bristol night race in Knoxville Nationals. That's true. I will say that'd if you're coming over here, that'd be need, pretty solid. You need to come to the Charlotte area though if you're gonna get the yeah. full experience and tour some shops and stuff and and uh check it out. Yeah, you need a couple three days. Hit the Hall of Fame, hit some of these yeah. great race shops. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure. telling you, man, like, I, I was literally in, in Mooresville last week and walked into a Mexican restaurant. Steve Park was in there. Ted Musgrave was in there. Like, if you hang around Mooresville long enough, you're going to see some racing people. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you go to <laughs> – these guys go out, man. I mean, they're out and about. You walk into a restaurant. I walked in there, and I'm, there's I saw Stenhouse, Larson, and Blaney in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. So, Cantina 115 right here. Saw Casey Kane the other week. Greg Biffle. Like, yeah. If you, if you hang out in Mooresville long enough, you're going to see yeah. somebody. I Best agree. question wins a shirt. Who gets the DBC shirt this week? It's got to be the guy that asked about the interview thingy. Old Teamster Dusty. All right. We'll catch him. And then we have a R- Apple podcast review that will win a shirt as well. The title of this um, one is called Running with DBC from CP Goat 3. I'm a long-distance runner, and my Tuesday run is are always my favorites. I start out with a comedic, insightful DBC and follow it up with DJD. As a lifelong NASCAR fan, these two podcasts complement each other perfectly. The chemistry among the team is fantastic, and it never feels chaotic. Everyone is able to get their thoughts in. So, Brett, will join you on a long-distance run sometime, and you can have matching DBC shirts. I can't run more than three miles. I'll die. I just got cleared to run, so I'm training for our basketball game with TJ, but now I can mm-hmm. actually run again. Man, if he beats nice. you, Jason, that's going to be embarrassing. I had to get back to my training. I haven't ran in you're, six I mean, months. You're it's like funny, because I don't – It's funny. I got to get back to training. I'm just going to show up. I'm not going like, to. I haven't played sports in six months. I got to like, get back. Because you look like distance. an athlete, Jason, anyway. I always okay. play, I played sports in high school. And I'm willing to bet one of y'all gets hurt. It's probably going to be him. Look at him. He got hurt sitting down. Drinking his white claw and holding white claw. Too many white claws. <laughs> Pop socket. Um, Yo, check this out. We're oh. going to do a live show this weekend at Dover. TJ. Casey, Casey, what are you going to be wearing? You going to be wearing some of those cute little Lululemon pants? Uh, I <laughs> hadn't really thought about it, but they. I'm going to wear my jorts and a tank top. I will bet you don't. <laughs> I definitely do not. <laughs> I almost took my shirt off yesterday at top of grandstands. Oh, I wish God you, you would have, because we were in that fan zone area where I was spotting mm-hmm. from, and I was like, "Man, I'm just a race fan up here. I got my headset on." You should have done it on Saturday and put a put a 14 on you with sunblock and then just stood up there for Sunday. That'd be great advertising. You can do that this Sunday. I mean, yeah, before the yeah. show. Y'all come, y'all come check us mm. out in Dover though. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll have more fun. info. We'll tweet more info out later, yeah. but 10 uh, we've we, done this. We, uh, yeah, we did this one other time and it was a lot of fun. So if you're going to be in the Dover area, uh, come check us out. 10 a.m. We'll be there. Casey, at Xfinity stage. Yes. The Xfinity stage. In at the fan 10 zone. Yep. On I, Sunday. I love Xfinity. Me too. DVC picks. Denny Hamlin. I thought you said you were picking Kyle Larson. I'm going with Danny. Is Kyle Larson available? For, yeah. This isn't even close again. It's 16 to 12. Yeah, I'm TJ, trying to let you get back now. in it. 
Uh, I'm going with Kyle Larson. All right. Get it, boy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Jeff, you're the man, dude. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming thank on. Thank you so much for having me. And um, sorry to anybody, the listeners, who feel like I took away from the show. You didn't no. take away from the show. Not, but no. One of the best ones. I love the show, so I, would, I wouldn't damage it. I love purpose, when people but... get mad at you on Twitter and start I know. MFing you. <laughs> I like when people get mad at you more. Me? God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you get mad at me. I don't do anything to get mad about. I like when you go on political rampages. And I, do, I, I enjoy talking about whatever. <laughs> I like to get people upset sometimes. That's Let shocking. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Man, I am so surprised. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Jeff. And uh, rate us. Give us some feedback. What do you think? Next time you're in Charlotte, let us know. Come yeah. by. Thank Come you, by. guys. Welcome was, anytime. Awesome. Open door policy. Thank you. It was, it was a blast. Awesome. Truly. Have a great week, everyone. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.